But I want to talk to you about walking a life of difference. Walking a life of difference. What is 2012 going to look like for you? Is it going to be the same as 2011? Or is it going to be different? Are you going to be different? And I can't help but think that that song that, that Simon and the guys just played, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, really is the rock's anthem. I get a strong sense it's going to be our anthem in 2012 and maybe beyond that. But how many people know when we really sing the song, Holy Spirit, you are welcome here, it's not so much here, although he is welcome here as a second place priority, but what we are saying is you are welcome here. You are welcome to determine who I become. You are welcome to allow all of truth to define my thinking, my heart, posture and positions, how I react to situations, how I love and serve others. Holy Spirit, you are welcome here because we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. God moved from a temple and put his presence into us and we invited him in. And so I hope that's maybe going to be one of your heart cries this year. Holy Spirit, you are welcome to dwell. You are welcome to lead this house. Holy Spirit has to lead the house, his house. If the Holy Spirit's not leading his house in manners, then we build inaccurately. And we've been on a journey over the last 18 months just realigning how we do things here at The Rock, putting back into place what I believe is God's divine order of a gifting of having a fivefold, and we want to move forward into a fivefold ministry here, not necessarily on staff, but as a congregation, so we can hear from the grace gifts that God has given his church. For the church, what? to come to the full unity of the faith. How many of you want to come to the true unity? That the body of Christ needs to be unified like none else today. That we would all come to the full knowledge of the Christ. I want to know him more than I do when I walk in here. I hope after today you would know him more after hearing what I have to say. And that we would all come to the fullness of the perfect man, which is what? The bride of Christ. It's always and is and always will be about a marriage in heaven. And the day that you invited him into your heart, you were invited to a marriage ceremony. And um, I'm not talking about that today, but it seems to be the thing that's got hold of me. So um, come with me to Psalm 1. I'm going to start and just stay in Psalms. Psalm 1, and we're going to read 1 to 3. Psalm 1, verses 1. I was watching uh, on Shine last night this, this black American preacher. And how many people know those black American guys? They know how to preach. Man, there's so much life to the way they preach. And you know what? What's fascinating, though, is the congregation know how to preach back. They're just as vocal as the guy with the mic. Come on! <laughs> I remember uh, being in... Uh, uh, being in, in America in LA uh, when we went to Mexico with, with Anthony and some of the guys and we were at Wayne Cheney's church and Wayne is a black American guy very passionate, in fact he came here and preached preached for about an hour and a half I don't think The Rock knew what had hit them but uh, he was lying on the stage and up over here and, but anyway I remember we were in the service and, and Anthony was marrying uh, Wayne this day and he was preaching on love and the different aspects of love and we were two rows back from the front and, and there was this couple uh, just sitting there and, and they, they're beautifully dressed, just done up to the nines with hats and gloves on. And um, this woman, she elbows her husband. You know, she are you listening to this fella? Are you listening to Pastor Anthony? And then, yes, honey, yes, honey. Anyway, and then all of a sudden, Anthony said something really powerful, really strong about, I think it was about a man loving, loving his wife. And she steps and she says, mm, mm, mm. 
Pastor Anthony, you're now in the kitchen. Bring it home, honey. Bring it home. <laughs> you're now in the kitchen. I thought, wouldn't it be good if New Zealand could relax and open up and, and give feedback like that when we say things that, you, that the Spirit of God in you resounds to and reflects to? So if I say something, uh, the God says something to you because the Holy Spirit has everything for everybody here today. Here's at least one thing that he wants to communicate to you as a person because he cares about you, he loves you, you're as important to, important to him as the person beside you and he wants to say something. So let's get this interactive thing going because, listen, I'll tell you, when, 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 when we as speakers get feedback, it really encourages us. And I know myself, I go somewhere in God to actually preach better. It may sound funny, but I'll preach better and I probably won't get stuck on my notes and I'll just let the Spirit speak through me. So... There you go. Did you hear that? That's what not to say. Here we go. Psalm 1.1. How blessed is the man or woman who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So my first thought that I want to share with you today is God calls his church, which is you and I, to walk a life of difference. He calls us as his church, as his bride, to walk a life of difference. So I have a question for us all, and the question is how different are we to those around us? Amen to that. How different are we in our workplace? How different are we to our spouses? How different are we to our children? How different are we to our workmates, our, neighbor, our neighborhood? How different are we to our community? Does the world look at you and I as the body of Christ and say those people are different? Well, I hope they would. It is God's way. And if we do it God's way, we'll be different, won't we? If we allow God's truth to define us and if we would walk a life of difference, And I believe a world would look at us and see God. And so my question is to myself is how different am I? Because here's the reality. As God's people, we are called, chosen, set apart to be walking a life of difference. And this life of difference brings with it incredible blessing upon your life now and in the future. And the purpose of this blessing, first and foremost, is to glorify God and declare his existence and goodness to the church and a lost world. It's never about me. Now, I reap benefits from living a life of difference, sure thing, but they're a byproduct of my heart that is abandoned and surrendered to the will of the Father, that brings glory to him. That's why Jesus said in John 17, he said, I pray for these 12 today and I pray that those who will hear their message will be one. I pray they are one as like you and I, Father, are one. You and me and I and them, that a world would know that I was sent for them, meaning a lost world. What's he saying? He's saying when the body of Christ walks differently to the world and are a model of God on the planet, We reflect the glory of God and a lost world, people who do not know this person called Jesus Christ, would see God in the church, which is me and you. Not a building, in his people. 
that literally people would see God in us, the glory of God would radiate as a body and as an individual so powerfully that a lost world would run to the church, meaning the people, not a building, not a set of rules, but people, to a community, to a family, and become the family of God. It's powerful stuff when the church, when you and I, let go of ourselves, when we decide to put down ourselves and pick up Him. Isn't it? That's the challenge of walking and following Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Come follow me. Where are we going? I'm coming to introduce you to my Father. We're going to reach a lost world. I'm coming to define you as a person. And the old you must stay in the waters of baptism. But the new you comes up and together we walk together. Via this thing called the Holy Spirit. Are we going, going to go forward this year in 2012? Absolutely. Or are we going to just stay as we were in 2011? Are we going to read and spend more time in God's presence in 2012 than we did in 2011? Are we going to allow his truth to define us to define who we are as a person. So you know what? We are becoming love. We don't just read about it. We don't just sing about it, but we are the very source of it, like him. That's going to be our challenge. We are God's representation on earth, and we are to reflect the image of Christ, which is God's glory to a lost and hurting world and our community. How many people know what the Bible describes us as in 1 Timothy 3.15? without going to your Bible. How many people know what the actual Bible describes us as in 1 Timothy 3.15? No, it says that we are a pillar and a support of truth. Just stop and think about that. You and I, as a community and as individuals, are to be a pillar What would happen if we took out these pillars? We'd all be with Jesus. (laughs) Anybody want to come? (laughs) We are to be a pillar and that supports truth. Who's truth? What's truth? Thank you. Jesus Christ said, I'm truth. We are literally to be his representation on this planet Earth, reflecting the glory of God. Why? Because we are allowing the spiritual transformational process, which is inward first, to happen. That we would literally be pillars that stand on the Earth that a world and the church would look to and run to for wisdom, guidance, security, joy, peace, finances, resource. And that we would support what God is doing on this earth. See, we have to align our thinking to that truth. Because for so long the church has lived with this poverty mindset that we're just these pathetic little people waiting for the return of Jesus. Now I am waiting for the return of Jesus with a passion. And the revelation of the return of Jesus is empowering my walk right now. It's supposed to but I want to be the representation of Christ on this planet that the Bible tells me I'm called to be. Not just think I'm a nobody who got saved 13 years ago and I'm waiting for a day. 
No. The church of Jesus Christ lives a life of difference and it stands up. It's actually, there's a governmental rulership that the church is to, is to govern on a spiritual context. Not on a political one, on a spiritual one. Is that our thinking of who I am in Christ and the community that I belong to as a corporate? That's the bride of Christ. She's loving it. (laughs) So do we see ourselves as the support pillar of truth? It says here in verse 1, How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked. Have you ever asked yourself, how blessed is how blessed? How blessed is how blessed in God's kingdom? We get all messed up when we hear this word blessing, don't we, in the church? Did he just say blessing? Because there are two mindsets. You have this poverty mindset in the church. It's like you're just to be a doormat, people to walk all over you, and there's all that, and God doesn't bless you at all. And then you have this other mindset over here, which is this prosperity doctrine that some are preaching right now, and that God wants to give you mansions and mansions and more mansions, and after he's given you 10 mansions, he's going to give you 10 Ferraris and go after that. And both are wrong. Does God bless his people? Yes, he does. I am an example of someone I know, the blessing of my life. As some of you know, married before as a non-Christian, never thought I'd get married. God took my brokenness and restored it. And I have an incredible wife of 10 years with two gorgeous children. Never thought I'd stand in those shoes and be able to say that 10 years, or however many years ago it was when that divorce came through. But God blesses his people. When, why, and how? When a heart is surrendered, abandoned, and aligned to the will of the Father. How blessed is how blessed. We are called to be a blessing, called to be blessed, to be a blessing. Not to hoard the blessing, to pass it on. And the awesome byproduct that just happens to be is, you know what? God actually does bless you as you pass it on. So how blessed is how blessed. And why would God want to bless his people? Because the more blessed we are, the more it reflects Him. The more it reflects Him, the more people see Him in us. Holding it all lightly. Because Paul said, it's not about the blessing. I'm content with very little or I'm content with much. It's not about one of those things. It's about my heart being aligned and surrendered to Him. It's a church that is walking a life of difference. You know what? In a world and the church so desperately needs to see this church living in that reality. Probably more the church than the world. See, I believe now, and I can't believe I'm even going to say this, but our greatest evangelistic strategy to reaching a lost world is to love one another. (laughs) I love the come on because I'm even having discussions with Johnny and it's awesome to have Johnny and Bex back with us. Should have said that right at the start. Sorry, guys. <laughs> it's just family. See, it's like... I used to come and drink all my beer and eat all my food. And I was so glad when he got married. It was like, yeah! <laughs> got the Sky remote back. Got the, I love this guy. I love his wife. And we're family and it's awesome to have you guys back. And um, I don't know where I'm up to now. Um, how blessed is how blessed. Where was I up to? Loving one another. 
That's why it says, it's, it's fascinating. Today I give you a new command to love one another. Jesus, if, if, if this community would, would be one like we are one, a world would know. And see, so often we just want to go out there and tell everybody which we're called to do, but we forget to love one another. And so when we tell people about Christ and they look at the church and they go, ah, not a lot of love there. Why would I want to go there? How blessed is, how blessed and why does God want to pour out his blessing? I haven't read it yet, but in verse 3 at the very end it says, and in whatever this man does, he prospers. Man, in whatever he does, he or she prospers. You see, there's this myth inside Christianity that God's not into other facets of life. It's like, this is my spiritual place, this is my family, this is my work, this is my sport. Box mentality. In whatever environment you are in, God is intertwined into that and there is a blessing that exists in whatever you do. Why? Because it's on you. Because you're living a life of indifference. And someone that lives a life of indifference brings with them the Spirit of God into those environments of workplaces. And what? Brings wisdom into the workplace. We've got this problem. We've got to get this. We've got a, we need a solution. Who, who can come up with something? And someone down the line who's not even at this level of responsibility gets an idea from the Father. Why? Because they're walking a life of indifference. Of difference. Brings that into the meeting and bang. Some business or some school, whatever, goes to another level in its service because God is blessing someone in all areas of life and whatever the person touches because it's who you are. It's on you as a person. Does that make sense? There is an incredible blessing that's attached to walking this life of difference because we are called, set apart, to be a blessing to others. This is the bride's heart. God's blessing is limitless to a heart that is wholeheartedly devoted to him and is aligned to building his kingdom his way. I want to say that again. I don't want anyone leaving this place today thinking, great, if I just do X, God's going to give me a Ferrari. If I just start giving some money, God's going to give me billions. Now he might. But what he's looking for is the heart. What's the, what is this, what's the motivation behind why a person is doing what they're doing? Because as we know, there is no limit to resource in God's kingdom. If you can think big enough, he'll get it through to you. If your heart is aligned to him, he'll get it through to you. He's looking for people he can trust to bless, to pass the blessing on. Those that are what? Living a life of difference. And his blessing is limitless. And Jesus, I don't really understand how we come to some of these places that we come to because if we spent more time in his word, you'd see God blesses people. You'd see the abundant nature of God. You'd see he's not limited. You'd see the vastness of who he is. We need a transformation of our thinking, a renewing of our mind and our hearts. And he even says this in Luke 18 when we see the story of this rich young ruler and, and he walks away from Christ and Peter says, but Jesus, we've left everything. There's a key there. We've left everything to follow you. And Jesus says, those who have left everything, what's everything? Everything 
the way you think, the way you, what you want, your whole being, he says, those that have left everything, come follow me, and have left themselves in the waters of baptism, I will bless a hundredfold, not only in the future, but in this life. What about the parable of the talents, five, two and one, and the guy that actually uses his talents gets given the other guys. You'd think he would have taken it from the guy that used the most and given it to the guy with one, but he doesn't. This person's going to do something with what's in them and I want to work something through them because they're walking a life of difference. It's a heart that is aligned to the Father's. It's a heart that is abandoned to the will of the Father. It's a heart that is surrendered to the heart of the Father. And I'm on that process and we're on that process as a community together. Why is this? Because the more blessed you are, the more you reflect Him. Walking a life of difference which is blessed has nothing to do with what you have or don't have. In fact, Paul even says, I'm content with much or little, but has everything to do with the condition of your heart towards God and His Lordship. Once a person's heart is surrendered, abandoned and aligned to God, His blessing starts to flow in every area of one's life but it's important to understand the external blessings are never the goal. They are just the byproduct of a surrendered heart. And we can struggle with this because our minds aren't renewed via the Spirit and our hearts are still self-bound. But as God starts to change us through His written Word, which is going to be my second point, His living Word, we start to come into the fullness of what God has for you and I as the church when we walk this life of difference. Walking a life of difference starts within us and flows through us, but our hearts are never to be motivated by the external rewards that come from walking out this life. And I really, I'm just going to, you're going to hear this time and time again because I really don't want someone walking here going, you know what Greg said? He said, if I do this, this I'll get this. Because that's what you hear a lot. And people actually, a lot of the church are going after that thing. Oh, the reason I'm actually tithing is God's going to bless me. Well, that's the wrong motive. The reason you're tithing is because it's His and it's a step of obedience to Him and love to Him because it's His money. And He's looking to see where your heart's at. He's looking to see whether He can actually release what He wants to do in you and through you so you'll be a blessing to others. It has nothing to do with money, everything to do with our heart. Yeah? And if we walk a life of difference, he releases things. So what is the key to this life of difference? Psalm 1, 2. He's a little bit ahead of me. Come with me to start. Well, we're already there. Look at verse 2. <laughs> it says this, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. My second thought is loving God's living word and allowing his truth to define, sorry, loving God's living word and allowing his truth to define your reality is the difference to living this life. If you want to live a life of difference, then you need to love this word, his truth. See, it's not just a book, it's his truth. How many people know there is absolute truth the world will tell you that truth is whatever you want it to be. Truth is just whatever you decide it's to be to suit you. No. 
This isn't just a book. This is absolute truth. Our Christian faith is so simple, isn't it? If you whittle it down, it is really, really simple. If you do this, this will happen. If you do this, this will happen. And for some reason, we overcomplicate it. And really all it is is just a, it's a choice to go and submit my will to his. Okay, well, if I follow you because you're truth and you are truth and you writ it and you, you're the very source of it, then I'll walk a life of difference. But I need to know it. And it's not really about what I think, it's about what he thinks. It's not about what I feel, it's about what he tells me is true. Because my feelings can be totally opposite to what the truth is. And so we have to allow this thing to change us. And so Joshua 1.8 says, Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth, but meditate on it day and night, and be careful to do all that is written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and have success. It's not rocket science. It's laid out for us. Don't let it depart from your mouth. What does that mean? What this speaks comes from here. Doesn't it? So a question, another question. And I ask these questions of myself. Do I have a genuine love for God's truth? Today, do you have a genuine love for God's truth? If you don't, it's okay. But do you want one? Is 2012 going to be the year that God births in you a love for his truth? Because you're going to discipline yourself to spend some time with him and place yourselves in the right environments so the passion can come. And you know one of the, the environments we're going after this year as a community is walking together. My heart is that every single person, whether you've been here two seconds or 20 years, would place themselves in a discipleship, walking together environment with others where we contend for the truth and allow the Holy Spirit and the gifts in one another to encourage one another to form him in us. You're going to hear a lot about that this year, so if you're not into that, I don't know what that means. (laughs) You'll make a choice, but... The author says his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, it's maybe a bit harsh, but but in my discussions with a lot of people, more Christians spend more time in magazines and in fictional books on Facebook than they do the Word of God. I mean, if you want to say hi to someone, why don't you just ring them up? I don't understand Facebook. (laughs) I'm, I'm on it. I'm on it because I was in India and the guy said, do you use Facebook? And I said, nah. He said, well, I do. It's maybe a way of communicating. I said, okay, well, you're on the other side of the world. We'll do that. So you get home, don't you? And you put in your... And what happens? (laughs) Everyone you know from your great, great, great auntie in the middle of Africa somewhere wants to be your friend. (laughs) I said to Daniel, who are these people? I don't even know these people. It's like... And then you go on it, and it's like, hi. It's sunny today. 
Ooh, <laughs> revelation. I mean, just, I just, you know. And we spend more time on that thing called Facebook. Now, is Facebook a good tool? Yeah, used the right way. Yeah. But you know how the enemy can just flick things, turn them up on your head so you spend all your time sitting there doing mindless chatter about nothing. And this thing is on the shelf like that. And it's truth. And it's the very thing God's given us to define our reality. You know what? If we're depressed today, get that into you. Meditate and marinate on the truth. And I guarantee you won't be depressed. Forget about yourself and get into that. If you've got insecurity, get into this thing and you won't be insecure. If you're short of finances, start living in the truths of this book and you won't be short of finances. It actually says meditate and marinate on his word. This man, his delight is in the law of the Lord. What are we feeding on? What are you feeding on? What are you going to feed on in 2012? More of Facebook, more of Women's Day, figuring out that, you know, Kim Kardashian and the basketball player, 76 days, man, what a marriage that wasn't. And you get on Facebook and you start telling everybody about that. (laughs) Where are you going to get into the Word of God? Because this man's delight was in the law of the Lord, wasn't it? And the result of that is incredible. What you put into you will determine what will come out of you. We are a product of what we feed on. As you know, I'm back at the gym. Some of you may know that. I'm trying to... Hey, Rodney. (laughs) Rodney's my encourager. Here he is. Not. (laughs) No, he's my buddy. And I'm back at the gym. I've been going there with Halika for the last sort of five weeks and you know, trying to change my diet, trying not to eat as much, trying to eat at the right times, trying to look at the portions in which I eat. Why? Because I want to feed in to change this incredible, already well-established physique to a more defined model. Now I need to lose some weight around here and around here and around here, but generally just want to be better in shape for my hot-looking wife. And... Uh, Otherwise, there might be competition and I can't handle it. God's truth is to define our heart position and streams of thinking so a kingdom culture is being formed in us. Let me give you an example um, of biblical, what biblical servanthood looks like and see if you agree with this because this is an area where we really, really struggle as God's people. I believe, is to serve from a biblical kingdom culture perspective. See, my experience in being on staff here and as a volunteer, most people come with you with an agenda and they want to serve their own agenda and use you as a way of doing that. That's the world's model of servanthood. And so in my time of leading the music ministry, and some of you may know, may not know, but... When I started here at The Rock in 2003, the music team went from three teams down to one and a bit. I thank Johnny Gilling that he turned up. Well, I thank God that Johnny Gilling was here to help me rebuild it. Why? Because we had people here that they thought that serving meant, I've got this fantastic guitar and I've got this fantastic gift and 
everyone needs to hear about me. And this is the licks that I play and this is how cool I am. And when you go, no, no, actually I don't need you to play in this song. Or can you just play it like this? And the attitude back is, no, man. Don't you know, I, I, I'm, 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 I'm cool. I come here to be a rock star. I don't come here to serve the church and worship. It's about me. 13 people left within three months. I just started praying. God gave me a vision of what he wanted here and I thought, well, we're in trouble because I know the hearts and I know the motivations behind some of these people. Good people, but didn't understood what true biblical servanthood looks like. This is what true biblical servant looks like. How can I serve you, Natalie and Glenn? How can I serve you with what I have? What do you need doing? You need the lawns done. I'll do the lawn. Didn't I tell you I'm a CEO of a large organisation and you might need me to do the books? No, we don't need you to do the books. I need you to mow the lawns. Oh, it's not really in my gifting. <laughs> don't think I'm anointed for that one. True biblical servanthood is where you come with no agenda and you actually have the other person's interest at heart and you say, how can I serve you? How can I make your dream become a reality? How can I make your vision become a reality? And you know what happens? This is what I've seen happen. As you model this and as you live this, God actually exalts the humble. The Bible says God will exalt the humble, but you know what he'll do to the proud? And too many Christians want the fast fix. Too many Christians want to go from, let's just say, I don't know, here to being the leader of a church or to being the leader of the worship team or to be the leader of kids, whatever. We want to circumnavigate the process that God has of, of building culture in us and character, kingdom culture and character. How does he do it? Through applying this to your life truth, the truth, the only truth. So what is the fruit of loving God's word and allowing his truth to define you? Psalm 1, verse 3. I was only going to try and preach for half an hour. Is this okay? Keep going, okay. I heard that. I saw that hand. <laughs> Keep going. <laughs> Psalm 1, verse 3. So we've got this picture. It says, how blessed... How blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the path of sinners, nor sit in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law he meditates day and night. Verse 3, this man that does these things, or woman, he or she will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yield its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. And in whatever he or she does, they prosper. Wow. Living a life of difference, we become a pillar of strength, yielding fruit, and have a continuous influence in the lives of those around us. 1 Timothy 3.15 is a scripture we've talked about, which, let me read it to you. I'm writing these things to you, this is Paul, hoping to come to you before long, but in case I am delayed, I write so that you will know how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God. It's not just willy-nilly. There is an intentional pattern that we are to follow. 
So conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God. So again, it's us, the pillar and support of the truth. The church, you and I, are called to influence the world with a different set of values and priorities. But unfortunately for so many Christians today, we end up being influenced by the world and its values and its priorities. We don't stand out as a whole and we're not set apart because we don't know God's word and we don't allow it to take its place in our innermost parts. David said, may your truth be birthed in my innermost being and allow it to come forth from me. And if we would do that, it empowers us to walk this life of difference. But here's the great news. Because really, all we are is one choice away. Do you realize that? We are one decision, one choice away, or we're going to continue on this process. And maybe if we're not living a life of difference today, I want to encourage you. You are just one choice away from starting to live it. It'll mean death to you, but you're one choice away from it. For those who will, we become this person that is a pillar of strength, yielding fruit in season, never wilting and prospering in everything we do. This isn't wishful thinking, guys. This isn't just a nice statement. Oh, this is a nice message I'm hearing on a Sunday afternoon at the Rock. This is truth, and it's to be the church's reality. God gives us the Holy Spirit that this can become our reality. So we really have no excuses. He gives us his living word, the power here. He gives us the power of his spirit to live this kind of lifestyle. I love in verse 3 it says that the leaf of this tree does not wither. What does that mean? You see, the church of Jesus Christ is to live lives that are constantly going from strength to strength to strength. The Bible says that the church is going from glory to glory. And I shared this a couple of weeks back, but that's not physically. Although I'm working out and trying to maintain what I have, I'm getting older. I'm supposed to laugh at that, Chris. My knees are actually deteriorating. Bar God healing them, I may need an operation to whip them out at one point. So he's not talking about physically I'm going from glory to glory. He's talking about my spirit man. The inside, the kingdom of God is where? Within me. My spirit, my understanding, my perspective, my levels of wisdom, revelation, being able to see and hear as my heavenly Father does is going from glory to glory to glory. What's that for? Preparing me for my wedding. So I look like him at the end of the process. You see, we should be hearing God clearer today than we were yesterday, six months ago. We should have a greater passion and a greater understanding for his living word than we did six months ago. If we haven't, there's something wrong with that equation, guys. We're probably spending more time on Facebook or in other books. And the thing is, you can get left behind. God is moving it's not just about praying a prayer and acknowledge him. He's, his plan we've discussed is way bigger. He is moving towards an end goal. 
And the church of Jesus Christ must be ready for the times in which it lives so it reflects God to a lost world that is going to be screaming because there is an enemy coming who is going to be so deceptive and so delusional that people, it says, even the elect might actually be deceived. Are you going to live a life of difference in 2012 to what you did in 2011? And allow the Holy Spirit and His living Word to define your reality, define the way you speak, define the way you give, define the way you serve others, define the way you come here, define the way you worship Him. I'm signing up. I'm signing up. I know the staff are signing up. We've seen some of the... I'll be honest today. We've seen some of the... What's happened in the rock over the last 18 months, haven't we? God is birthing something new here. And unfortunately, and it is unfortunately, not everybody can transition because it's a matter of the heart. God's changing the heart. And there's so much in this book about hardening your heart. He said to his disciples, do you still not see? Are your hearts still hardened? I've just done this incredible miracle. We're now talking in the boat and you think I'm talking about lunch. Come on. I've just fed 15,000 people. I'm not talking about lunch. And he says, your heart's still hard that you could not see where from the Spirit what I'm doing. See, it's from glory to glory in the Spirit. We're spirit people, not physical people. We're spirit people. We live from a place of there living here on earth, not the other way around. So much of us are here looking up. We should be there looking down. The kingdom culture within me is operating on planet earth, which means I make decisions and choices that leads me to a life of difference. I'm different from the cat in the workplace in my neighborhood. They can't figure me out. Why? Because I'm living by a different set of values, different set of priorities. And where is it? Bang. Here. So when someone dies in front of me, you know what? There's actually joy and peace. Yes, I'm not saying we don't, are not sad, but you know what? My life isn't blown over when there is an earthquake. I can stand, and I'm not belittling that place here. I'm not belittling, what I'm trying to say is we have to stand in these times because we live from another place. Paul said, I'm a citizen from another place. And I'd rather be with my father in that place, but for your sake, I'm staying here to help you come to the same place that I'm on this journey to finish. Because he said in Ephesians or Philippians 3.14, and I've not yet attained all that the Father has for me. Didn't he? We'll be looking at that this year. Or more of that. See, we make comments like, I'm in a dry season. Or my relationship with God has these highs and its lows. But Jesus said this, if anyone is thirsty, then they should come to him and drink. And from their innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. I don't want to offend you today and, and my heart is not, but I want to share truth is we shouldn't be going like this. We shouldn't really be having dry seasons. If we are absorbed in the presence of the Holy Spirit and His Word, meditating, marinating, what do those two things mean? If you're a cook or a chef, you'll know marinating something, meditating. So much of the world wants to empty, you know, meditating in Eastern religion is emptying yourself. In Christianity, it's filling yourself. Meditating in Christianity is not emptying yourself, it's filling yourself with His Word. Meditating on this, it comes out of your mouth because it's in your heart who you are. 
And so we're not to go like up and down, up and down, dry season, good season. No, glory to glory to glory to glory to glory, strength to strength to strength. I know I'm more today than I did yesterday. I'm more aligned to his kingdom, living his principles than I was six months ago. I'm seeing things I never thought were possible. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you he didn't leave us where we are, didn't he? He loves you too much to leave you where you are today. He's the ultimate father, the ultimate dad. We are to live in an overflowing state. Why? Because it blesses others. I want to be a blessing to others. I want to be a blessing to my wife and to my children, to their children, to my friends, the staff who are my friends, you guys as our family. The more I'm coming alive, the more we're all alive. The more you're alive, the more the person next to you is alive. The more you're being blessed, you can bless others. God's being glorified on this planet. People are coming to him. Man, I want to be part of your community. I haven't seen love like that ever. It'll come at a cost. Cost you your whole life. He makes that clear. You want to come after me? You've got to deny yourself. You've got to pick up the thing that I was nailed to and you've got to walk. But I'll tell you, it'll be the greatest life, a life of difference that you can ever live. It'll have meaning, purpose, passion, excitement, risk, challenge. You're scared out of your pants. I'm sure Johnny and Bex have got some stories to share with us, just being scared out of their pants, travelling the other side of the world just on a little bit of money, stepping out in faith, hearing the voice of God, going, God, I haven't got it all figured out, don't have my three-step plan. I've only heard your voice, but we're coming. And God starts to provide. And you start seeing things and moving in areas of realities that you even dream of. You know, when I started on staff here, I cut half my salary down. Plus car, expenses, all those things. I was like, oh my goodness. I've got a wife. We want to have kids. We're in a two-bedroom flat. God, all I heard is your voice and I'm following you. You've got to provide, otherwise we can't even pay the rent. Actually, we could because our landlords are incredible. God, even they'll that. 150 bucks a week rent. Never moved for four or five years, did it, babe? They never took it up. But you know what started to happen? You come home and there's grocery boxes on your front doorstep. This high. Not just rubbish. Oh, that's the wrong word. The most expensive meat. Looking at $30 steak packs. Going, God, you're good. <laughs> oh, mate, that's full of protein. It's, it's pasta and potatoes you've got to watch. <laughs> time after time, someone comes to me and says, I want to pay your petrol bill for two years. Here's my business card. Put it all on your petrol on me. I'm going, this is incredible. You make a decision to walk a life of difference, of obedience and surrender and alignment to him. You'll speak in front of people you never thought you'd speak of. You'll end up in places you never thought you'd end up in. You'll end up leading communities called The Rock that you thought, how on earth did I ever end up here? This was not part of my plan. I don't even know if I'm gifted or 
have the ability to really even do it. But you know what? I'll give it a go because I heard your voice and I'm believing in you, not me. I call it being a donkey for Jesus. But he speaks through donkeys. The Bible teaches me that. <laughs> At least once, so I hang on to that. <laughs> Listen to what Proverbs twenty twenty seven says, and I'm going to wrap it. The spirit of man is the lamp of the Lord. The spirit of a man is the lamp of the Lord. See someone going from glory to glory, strength to strength. You're becoming brighter and brighter and brighter and brighter. Do you know what? A world, people can see it. It's not just some abstract thing. They actually can see God in you. It's Him. He is the hope. So my question again is, what are we going to feed on in 2012? John 15, 7 to 8. If you abide in me, there's the choice again. See, Jesus loves you unconditionally. He loves you so much that he doesn't want you to, but he'll allow you to sit your whole Christian life in the same space. Please hear me here. You won't receive the eternal reward of inheritance that awaits you, though. You'll be in heaven. You'll, you'll make it there. But there is something beyond just heaven. There's an eternal reward for the church, for those who will choose to live this lifestyle of difference and submit themselves to his way. He says this, If you abide in me and my words abide in you, in you, which means they've got to come out of you. I'm forming something in you. That's why it's not just good knowing this thing, information, and it just signals plenty of Christians that have a lot of information, no transformation or formation. It's to be in you. You meditate, you marinate in it. It forms you as a person. Then ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this. Now listen to this, that you bear much fruit. How much is much fruit? Again, how much fruit does he want a person to bear to bring glory to his name? And so prove to be my disciples. Man, that's a bit of a, that's a bit of one that hits you between the eyes, isn't it? Prove to be my disciples. But Jesus, I just accepted this free gift. Yep, absolutely. Now what are you doing with it? You, got, you understand the grace of God, you never sit on your laurels. You get a revelation of the grace of God, it catapults you forward. That's the point of grace. It's not just, oh, thank you, Lord, I'm not going to hell. That's a byproduct, that's a bonus of grace. But you get grace, the revelation of grace, throw the old life off, run into his arms. You see, it's one thing to be a Christian, it's another thing to be a disciple. You know, the word Christian, I think, don't hold me to this, but I think it's only used a handful of times in the Bible. But the word disciple is used 262 times. Being a disciple of Christ and a Christian are different. They can be one and the same thing, while at the same time, 
they're different. He says, if you abide in me, my words abide in you. It's the living word. It's him. It's he sets you free. The truth that sets you free is a person. It's Christ himself. And I always want to finish with this statement. I'm going to read you a scripture. This is just my own personal thought. But to not walk this life of difference is not only to shortchange oneself of the life God has for you, but it also limits the world's ability to see God in us and experience in him through us. And I'm going to leave you with the, the incredible words of David, King David, in Psalm 119, starting at 25. He said this, My soul cleaves to the dust. Revive me according to your word. I've told of my ways and you have answered me. Teach me your statutes. Make me understand the way of your precepts so I will meditate on your wonders. My soul weeps because of grief. Strengthen me according to your word. Remove the false way from me and graciously grant me your law. I've chosen the faithful way. I have placed your ordinances before me. I cling to your testimonies. O Lord, do not put me to shame. I shall run the way of your commandments, for you will enlarge my heart. I thought I smelt quite nice today. (laughs) Let's pray. God, I just thank you for today. I thank you that this is a new year. I thank you, Lord, that this is a new day to be defined and transformed and aligned to you. I thank you, Lord Jesus, that you've given us everything we need and you promise us, you say you will never leave us You will walk this with us. When you sent the disciples into the ends of the earth, you said, I will be with you always. And so, Father, we can find incredible strength and trust and boldness and courage in the very fact that your Spirit will never leave us and never forsake us and walk with us into every situation we face. And we can allow you to transform us on the inside. We can let go of our thinking and our ways and the things that hold us back. And we can grab hold of your word and your spirit and your presence, you today, and walk this life of difference, Father. Not only for our own benefit, Lord, that will be a result, but to see a world come to see us, see you in us, Lord. To see your glory resonate on the earth knowing that we are not only preparing ourselves for eternity and an eternal reward, but we are making a difference with our lives here on earth in this year and the years to come. I thank you, Father, for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you that you love us with a passion and you want to